the Good Old Days, podcast at the corner of history and true crime. I'm Maggie Coomer. And I'm Jasmine Brand. And welcome back. Happy Saturday. It is time for another listener appreciation short stack. And this week, Jasmine, it's your turn. What city are you talking about today? Nashville. <gasps> Nashville? Oh my gosh. Thank you, Nashville, our home city. You've been very kind to us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. And I have a pretty good one for you. Ooh, I'm excited. Yes. So I'm, I think I'm just going to dive straight in and see what you think about it. Okay, go for it. Okay. So our story takes place on a cold and frosty night. Oh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> Tell me more. So this happens about a week after one of the record heaviest snowfalls in Nashville. Fun fact. Oh, wow. How many inches? Ten. Almost. Dude, do you yeah. know what that would do to the city right now? Yeah, crazy, we right? We wouldn't go anywhere. It would be like quarantine all over again. Well, we should really be quarantined. Yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda. <laughs> Just kidding. Stay safe out there, folks. Yeah. So it takes place on a Saturday, March 3rd, 1894, after this snowfall. And Saturday, of course, signals in 1894 the end of the work week. So time to unwind. And there's a big party happening on Harding Pike, which you should be well aware. I know Harding Pike. Well aware. to work there. Yeah. <laughs> so this isn't in Bellmead Mansion. That's okay. where both of us, of course, met. But it is on Harding Pike. So on that road, um, very, very near the Bellmead Mansion or Westmead Mansion, depending on what your frame of reference is. If you're in Nashville, you, you know what I'm talking about. If not, you have no idea what we're talking you about. You have no idea. Just think lots of very large houses with lots of pillars columns pillars lots of marble you get the gist yeah like plantation plantation homes is really yeah. what they were mm -hmm. greek and, revival and both of those homes are actually owned by the same family but we're not talking about them right. particularly right now i'm right. going to get to them a little bit later okay this is happening in a house and i couldn't get a good description of the house from the newspaper articles that I pulled this from. But what I do know, it was a decent sized home, decent sized enough to have a ballroom. Okay. Which is exciting. Yeah. So on this cold Saturday night, all of the workers in the area go to this home to have a dance. Okay. Sounds like a good time. There's live music, lots of dancing, food, alcohol, you know, party things. Mm -hmm. And... When I say dancing, I mean like proper ballroom dancing to the point where they have a floor manager to arrange the sets for each dance. Tell, remind me the year again. 1894. 1894. Okay. Yes. So they're bustle dresses and all sorts. The end of the Gilded Age. Yes. Yeah. 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 So coming to the end of the end of the century there. There is a man by the name of Van Joyner, who is the floor manager. So he's the one arranging all of the sets of people to dance and making sure everyone's got a partner and there aren't too many people on the dance floor crowding it up so they can, you who know. Who appoints this guy? <laughs> That's a really good question. I don't know because he doesn't even live in this house. He just is like there. He just shows up. He's like, I'm in charge. Yeah, I'm going to arrange. I'm the fun police. <laughs> exactly that. Floor manager Van Vaughn. What's his name? Van Joyner. Van Joyner. So Van is his first name and Joyner is his last name. I also saw him referenced as Ed Van Joyner. Okay, so Van Joyner is yes. his last name. I I don't know, because then they also call him Joyner. The uh, newspaper is okay. not clear on this. Sure. 
So I'm just going to call him Van Joyner because I don't know which rendition of his name it is. But he's this floor manager. He's arranging things. Things are going well until 10 p.m. Okay. And at 10 p.m., another man by the name of Charles DeMoss shows up. And he is super drunk. Like, he has gone out after the work day and he's already been drinking. Shows up. If he's drunk, of course he's been drinking. Well, yes. But like... (laughs) (laughs) He was drinking at work. Yeah. So he's (laughs) like... He's hammered. Yeah. He's left work. He's like gone gotten drunk shown up to this party it's 10 p.m and he shows up and he's talking to one of his friends there he shows up on his own he's like i really want to dance like Uh i want to dance i sense conflict to come in it's coming it's coming he's being belligerent about it and his friend for whatever reason acts as a liaison between him and van joiner and van joiner is like no this set's full he's gonna have to wait well then Van Joyner makes the grave mistake of walking across the ballroom. Oh, no. He just broke a bunch of rules, I bet, in accordance with the, the dance master. Well, it's not that. He is the dance master. Oh, Van okay. Joyner is the lead of the dance. So he's oh, walking across. Yeah. Okay. So he's walking across the ballroom, I don't know, to go and do something. We don't find out what that is because DeMoss meets him in the middle of the dance floor. Oh, are they about to have a dance off? Oh, no, no, no. DeMoss walks up to him. Van Joyner doesn't even have a chance to turn around to face the man before DeMoss pulls out his revolver and holds it to Van Joyner's head and shoots in rapid succession three times. Oh, my God. Yes. How would you shoot that fast? I guess a revolver. So click, click, click. Mm-hmm. Wow. Before he hits the ground? Before he hits the ground. That's really fast. So he was a quick shot, I guess you could say. Yeah. And this is verified by several different witnesses. Okay. I believe you. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, it's it's on. Yeah. So, of course, the entire room erupts into just sheer chaos. Yeah. Apparently, there were women fainting, which may or may not have been because of their corsets, but also probably yeah. watching someone get shot in the head. Not a, not a great experience. Probably not. So women are fainting. People are trying to get away. Van Joyner is soaking the floorboards with his blood. It's not a good sign. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You're painting a picture. Well, the newspaper is painted a picture. I am just relaying the message to you. So, yeah. So, Van Joyner is on the ground. His, he's dead. His, he's dead. He's He's been shot in the head three times. Well dead. Yeah. And Moss leaves. He flees the property with, quote unquote, his smoking revolver still in hand. Okay. And all that can be found of him is some footprints through the snow. Oh. That's it. He's on the lam. Okay. Now, no one finds him. His family hands it over to police and says, we don't have him. We don't know where he is. Sorry, you're going to have to try and look somewhere else for him. And the police don't actually find him. He turns himself in several days later. Wow. Why does he turn himself in? Doesn't say. He just gives himself up. Probably it's cold outside. He can't go home. Yeah. He's He's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just going to just going to turn myself in and we find out a little bit more of the story what is his motivation for killing van joiner it's not because he just wanted to dance and was drunk there is a lot more to this story Mm. apparently there was an ongoing feud between the two of them a feud a feud so dance off may or may not have been involved but (laughs) likely not um their feud was not over dances drinking or any anything that was happening that night their feud had been a long, dragged-out feud between brothers. So Van Joyner had 
had a brother. DeMoss might have been involved in his murder as well several months earlier. Oh, no. Now, not enough evidence could be gathered. DeMoss was never formally charged with anything. And Van Joyner, of course, was very upset about this. Now, DeMoss, Van Joyner, and Van Joyner's brother all worked between Bellmead and Westmead, so on either plantation or farm. And they, the feud had come up because of a housing dispute. Okay. So from what I could piece together, Van Joyner's brother, who they never named, and DeMoss both worked at Westmead, mm-hmm. but they were going to be living on the grounds of Bellmead. Mm-hmm. There was one home they were both fighting over. They both wanted it. Only one could have it. And this eventually developed into this shooting. Apparently, a very similar scene played out where Van Joyner's brother was killed at a dance at Bellmead again, though several months earlier. Jeez. So he's just in same. Well, if there were, what, where were all the witnesses to that one? There were none. That's why he was not. Okay, so it wasn't convicted. on the. It was on the dance floor. It, it wasn't, wasn't like on the dance the floor. No, the dance it wasn't. Floor. It wasn't as brazen as this. Sure. Okay, I got it. <laughs> But I was, he was like, he's just going around killing people at dances and they haven't caught him yet? Okay. Yeah, right. it was. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, also, he killed a guy at a dance. It was a very busy place. And right. Nothing happened. Okay. So there, there's an issue there. And again, this is all over property. Now, his murder trial. So he'll be arrested. He's charged. His murder trial takes place in September of that year. September 27th, 1894. And just three Three days later, they had a verdict. Guilty of murder in the first degree. I mean, how are you going to deny that? Right. Now, they did have um, mitigating circumstances, and so they didn't sentence him then. And then there are no further reports, which I find really, really odd. The newspaper kind of just drops this, and we don't find out what happens to him. The only thing that I could find was that um, a Charles DeMoss, a.k.a. Hardin, was charged with larceny about three years later. I don't know if it's the same one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting that that name kind of matches the name that we know and associate with Bellmead. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it's missing a letter. But So in this story, I had some pretty good descriptors for what it was like to be at that party and everything. And the newspaper does illustrate very well all of these different details. Now, the two men I'm talking about, Van Joyner and DeMoss, both were black men. And as this is an 1894 predominantly white newspaper, the terminology used to describe them both are incredibly racist. And as I was writing this story out, I thought, I can't, I can't and I won't use that language even as a quote to describe these two men, especially because it was obvious to me that this was a bigger issue. This is a dispute that didn't really need to exist. It was invented because of the system that they were living within. Mm-hmm. And I thought, as a listener, what would it be like to listen to this story, to hear this story without knowing the physical descriptor of a person? How did that change it in the listener's mind? Mm-hmm. And you probably caught on quicker than most people because you worked there. You knew what I was getting at. You knew what I was talking about, especially with the time period. But if a person is listening to that and they're naturally picturing someone who looks like them, that is an internalized bias that we all have. How does that change the story in their mind? So why is this an important story? Why is it relevant to Nashville? It's, you know, a little blip 
in well, in the newspaper. It happened here. Yeah, it yeah. happened here. There's obviously bigger stories that happen here, but I thought that this would be a good opportunity to talk about larger concepts. Okay. And that's because both men that I'm talking about are black. The housing dispute was really avoidable. They're working for two of the, well, I should say one, two of the wealthiest households in the city at the time. Mm -hmm. They're working for one of the wealthiest families in the state. And they're fighting over what would have been slave cabins. Mm -hmm. And that results in this murder. And I think it... That makes the story look a lot different. It makes it look a lot different. So it's not the fact that they're fighting over... I'm trying to think of how to phrase that. They're basically pitted against each other for a basic survival need. Mm -hmm. And would murder have come out of this if that hadn't been something that was necessary. And I mean, that just scratches the surface and there's a lot more we can get into with this story. But I just wanted to present something to get people thinking. Yeah. And hopefully that did it. And we can post a whole bunch of good sources. I'll post bias tests if anyone is interested in that. In the show notes, um, all of the newspaper articles and different reading materials to kind of get interested or not get interested to uh, explore. Explore, yeah, explore these different. Topics. I love learning new stuff. Obviously, yeah. and I think it's yeah, I think it's important for people to understand that because these sorts of things, even though I mean, this happened what a hundred and thirty years ago almost, mm-hmm. but it's still relevant to today. I would, I would agree with that for sure. Well, that I thought that was a really clever way to do that. Good job, Jasmine. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I want you to head to your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. Also, please visit thegoodolddayspod.com for complete source list, suggested reading, and all of our other episodes. Uh, you can also find a link to support the show. Uh, we have a Patreon page. All of our uh, regular episodes are released uh, a few hours early and ad-free. Uh, so visit patreon.com slash the good old days pod. Jasmine, what about social stuff? So you can find us on Twitter at the good OD pod, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at the good old days pod. All right. Well, that's it for us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.